If the sisters want to come, they can come over now, inshaAllah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Walhamdulillahi alladhi arsala rasulahu bilhuda wa deen al-haq liyudhiruhu ala deen kulli wa kafa billahi shaheeda. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika la iqrar bihi wa tawheeda. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala bina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man tamasaka bi sunnatihi bi ihsanin ila yumiddin. Amma ba'd, by the name of Allah or with the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate, the one who has sent his messenger والسلام, with, the religion, with the guidance and the religion of truth in order to make it superior and prevail over every other way of life. And I bear witness that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger May the peace and salutations of Allah be upon him and his family and his companions and upon all those who follow upon his guidance and to the establishment of the last day. To proceed, Ikhwan, Allahumma inna a'udhu bika min ilmin la yinfa' min qalbin la yifsha' min nafsin la tishba' wa min du'a'min la yusma' Verily, Allah, we seek refuge with you from knowledge that has no benefit and from a heart that has no fear from a soul that has no satisfaction, no contentment, and from a du'a that goes unanswered. From a du'a that goes unanswered. To proceed, Ikhwan, وَنُوَاسِلُ مَعْكُمْ فِي هَذِهِ اللَّيْلَةِ الْمُبَارَكَةِ الْكَرِيمَةِ عَوْنًا مِنَ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ So we continue on this blessed and noble night of ours in the eighth the assistance of our Lord, the most merciful, the most compassionate. As we continue to learn and derive benefit collectively. Someone's crying out for From the science of Al Fiqh. From the science of Al Fiqh. ونستفيد من كتابي العلامة الفقيه الأصولي المفصل اللغوي الإمام السعدي رحمه الله تعالى رحمه الله تعالى. So we continue to learn deriving benefit from the noble Imam Sheikh the scholar of fiqh and of الأصول الفقه and of تفسير and of the Arabic language Sheikh. As-Sa'di, may Allah have mercy upon him. Tayyib, aina wasalna ya khuan? Where did we stop at? At the last class, bidnillahi ta'ala. Wasalna ila babi fil miyah. We mentioned the chapter regarding water. Wasalna ila babi al-aniyah. We came to the chapter of the vessels and the utensils. Al-Istinjah. Naam. باب الاستنجاء وآداب قضاء الحاجة. We started إزالة النجاشة والأشياء النجاشة. إزالة النجاشة. Just started back at the end. طيب جميل. طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. هل بدأنا ذلك الباب؟ We came to we started the chapter. Yes. إزالة النجاشة. Yes. جميل. طيب فكم أقسام الماء. So how many types of water are there? 
How many types of water are there? Two types. Jamil. وما رأيكم إذا العبد يقول قال بعض العلماء أن قسم الماء ثلاثة. What do you say, Ikhwan, if someone says that some scholars take the position that there are three types of water? What do you say, Ikhwan? Some scholars say two. No? Some say three. No? Rajah, strong opinion? Two, two. It's two. It's two. And that's the position of Ibn Taymiyyah and other than him. And our scholars of today, this time period of ours is also the position of the Imam Al-Uthaymin Rahimahumullah Ta'ala Ta'ayyah Qala fa'idha qadha hajatuhu istajmara bi thalathati ahjar He says so the person finishes using the hammam He cleanses himself with three rocks Ma ma'ana istajmara What does it mean istajmara? Ma ma'ana hal? Uh, to cleanse oneself with rocks. Or that which is in place of rocks. Like toilet paper, paper, cloth. And then he purifies the place. And then he makes an istinja with water. So what is istinja for? Using water. I sense using water. To purify or to cleanse that area. What about if somebody he joins together between the both? There's no problem in the Qala Sa'di rahimahullah Imam Sa'di he continues Qala Faslun chapter Izalatun Najasa wal Ashya'i an Najasa next chapter removing those impurities and those things that are impure removing those impurities and also those things that are impure قال سعدي رحمه الله ويكفي في غسل جميع النجاسات على البدن أو الثوب أو البقعة أو غيرها أن تزول عينها عن المحل. He says, it's sufficient, it's enough, it's يكفي, it suffices when it comes to having something impure on one's body, one's garment, one's place, his area. That he removes it with water. Or that he removes it. That he just removes it. He cleanses it. He has some najasa on his body. He gets it off his body. He has some najasa on his throat. That he removes it. For example, he washes the impurity off of his body. ولم يشترق في جميع غسل نجاسات عددا إلا في نجاسة القلب. He says because the legislation about Islam does not stipulate in everything that's impure that you have to wash it a certain amount of numbers or a certain amount of time, except with regard to the impurity of the dog, impurities of the dog. فبين سعدي هنا رحمه الله يا إخوان أن بالنسبة إلى إزالة النجاسة 
من البدن أو الثوب أو البقعة يكفي إزالتها يكفي إزالتها مرة واحدة ليس مرتين أو ثلاث مرات إلا بالنسبة إلى الكلب بالنسبة إلى الكلب. So the Imam Sa'di is teaching us here, إخوان, if someone has something impure on his person, his body, or his garment, or his area, for example, all he has to do is wash that thing off, remove the impurity, one time, and that's sufficient. Because Islam does not stipulate, Islam does not bring as a condition, everything you wash that's impure has to be done thalatha, or araba, or khamsan, or sabaa, mathalan, illa binisbati ila al-kalb. Because Islam does not stipulate that everything that's impure has to be washed three times, five times, seven times, nine times. That's only talking about the dog. He says, so when it comes to the dog, our religion has stipulated that it is to be washed seven times. It is to be washed seven times. And we mentioned previously the difference of opinion that the scholars have regarding the dog. Some scholars hold the point of view that the dog is impure. Other scholars say, no, the dog is not impure. And that's the position of the Imams or the Madhab of Imam Malik. They have the position, the Imams of Malikiyah, that the dog is not impure. That the dog is not impure. Just as the scholars, they differ over this, the fluid that comes from the man. Some scholars hold the point of view that the fluid that comes from the man is impure. The strongest opinion is that the fluid of the man is not impure, or rather it is pure. قَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ الَّذِينَ يَمِيلُونَ إِلَىٰ أَنَّهُ طَاهِرٌ أَوَّلًا لِأَنَّ بَنِي آدَمَ أَخْرَجُوا مِنْهُ وَهَذَا الصَّحِيحُ From those scholars that hold the point of view that the fluid of the man, that it is pure, they bring a point of view. And their point of view is that how can this thing be pure when the children of Adam come from it. If it was impure, how could all of society, all of mankind come from something that's impure? And that's a strong position here. Some scholars say it's najis. Some scholars that hold the point of view that the fluid of the man is impure, they say because look, after it comes from your body, you have to wash your whole body. You have to make a ghusl. So that shows it's, it's impure. Like it had a laysa but that's not an actual proof, ya That's not an actual proof. At any rate, the scholars they differ. He says 
Rahimahullah Ta'ala, as Sa'adi, he continues, he says, with regards to the dog, there's a narration that we're going to get to, inshallah, that mentions you wash that particular vessel. If the dog licks in your vessel, you wash it seven times. One narration says, that the first of them, or one of them, one of the seven washes is with dirt. There's another narration that comes and it says the first of these seven washes is with dirt. He says we have learned already, it was mentioned before, that purification is the first condition from the conditions of the authenticity of one's prayer. If someone prays, this is my first question tonight. Someone prays, he offers the salah, and he's in need of wudu, he's in need of purification, but he didn't make purification, he didn't make tahara, and then he prays. What's the ruling of his salah? That's all you get. He's in need of wudu. No, he didn't make wudu. He's in need of it. He prays without wudu. But he has to make wudu. He's in need of wudu. But he didn't make wudu. He made a salah. He made a salah. What's the ruling on that prayer itself? Sahih or Ba'atila? Is authentic or false? Ba'atila. False? False? If he didn't have wudu before? No wudu. No wudu? Yeah, it's Invalid? Yes, invalid. Invalid. Ah, Ramon, you gotta say it like that generally. No detail. Ah, ala hasab. It depends. Kif ala hasab. What do you mean it depends? Qad takunu salatuhu sahiha. There's a chance his prayer can be accepted. Can be correct. Wa qad la takunu salatuhu sahiha. And there's a chance his prayer may not be accepted. Kif. Ignorance. Ignorance. Yaqulu ta'ala. Allah says, Fear Allah to the best of your ability. Which means he did it He did it on purpose. He, he didn't forget. He knows he needs wudu. <laughs> he did it on purpose. Did he make sin? No, he He didn't purify himself at all. There was no water. Could have been no water. But he still had to make him. Could have been no dirt. No dirt? No water. Okay. He's, he's in need of wudu. There's no salah for the one who doesn't make purification? Yes. For the one that has the ability to make purification. If you have the in our example, He has to make wudu. Yes. He has no water. He has no dust, no dirt, nor the likes. Jawab to salah. Then the time of prayer comes. What does he do? He prays Allah, that's his ability. So it depends. It depends. Usually, the, the most of the situations, his prayer is not accepted. But there's a chance here. It depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. He could be in need of wudu, 
and need of tayammum, but he can't make tayammum. You just can't make tayammum on, any, on anything. Tayammum has a meaning. You can't make tayammum. Ma andana ma mathalan, ma andana turab mathalan. Ana tayammum, tayammum, ala hada hadhi sujad. We don't have any water. There's nowhere to get water from close to us. We have no dirt, no soil. I'm going to go to the carpet and just make tayammum from the carpet? No. I'm just going to the wall that has no dust, no dirt. And I'm just going to make tayammum, bismillah. No. Tayammum has a meaning. Wudu has a meaning. Ba'adun nas yadunnunna anna ma'na al-wudu ghassulu al-aydi some people believe that wudu just means washing your hands. We're playing ball. We're playing ball and you get sweaty, wash my hands. The brother says, oh, you made wudu. He said, no, wudu is specific. Wudu has a meaning. I just wash my hands. Now every time you wash your face is wudu. Now every time you wash your feet is wudu. Now every time you rinse your mouth is wudu. Now every time مثلاً, you wash your hands is wudu. No, wudu ya ikhwan shay'un ma'da bidabt. Wudu is something specific. That's an example ya ikhwan. That sometimes a person percolates up that. Ta'ayyat. Al-abdu yusalli mathalan raka'atayn. Lakin fil-asl alayhan yusalli arba'an. The man prays two raka'ah of a four raka'ah prayer. He should be praying four. He prays two. Amdan, on purpose. What's the rule on his prayer? He could be a traveler, so it can be correct. Anything else? A traveler? Huh? Depends. When you study it and you start learning al fiqh and you start memorizing adillah, ayat, and you're learning how to apply them, it's going to teach you how to start looking at the situations. There's a chance. What about this? This could have been there. What about that? What about this? أن بعض المسلمين اليوم يستعجلون في ذكر كلمة أهل البدع بدون بدون خوف. أنا أستغرب من هذا. And that's one of the reasons I'm amazed by us in America, especially. You only see this in our country, where the people, most of the people, were so fast to call people innovators. It's like we have no fear at all. Anyone who does not agree with us, you have a position and he doesn't agree. What are you going to say? Oh, he's an innovator. You have a particular place you like to pray, you're comfortable, your heart is there. Another person does not pray where you pray. What do we do? Oh, you're this, you're innovative, you're that. These are words, the Ikhwan, that the people of knowledge The people of knowledge are afraid to use these terms loosely the way we do nowadays. And Tim, does the person have to like go outside?
outside on the earth to make tayammum or for example let's say you ask a friend to go outside mm-hmm. put a bunch of dirt on a plate can you do tayammum with that that's not a condition the dirt has to be from the soil and the ground but he himself that he has to go to the park to the grass and get the soil no if somebody goes and get the soil from him like someone getting you water, hold up. This is not a condition to go to the water, 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 the water, as long as the dirt and the soil is original dirt, uh, soil and dust and dirt, it's not a condition. Al-ashrut yahwan huwa mashtaratahu Allahu wa Nabi. Or yushtaratu min al-ayat, مثلاً أو الحديث. Istinbaatan. A condition is something that Allah has made a condition, or the Prophet has made a condition, or is stipulated and derived from the people of knowledge from the ayat and from the hadith, مثلاً. فبعض الناس يظن إذا عبد يطلق زوجته يحتاج إلى شهداء أن هذا الشرط هذا ليس بالشرط. Some brothers and sisters believe if the man pronounces divorce on his wife, for example, he needs a witness. It's not a condition. يقدر يكون أولى. It could be better. لكن هذا ليس بالشرط. But that's not a condition. If most of us are never usually in the position of making tayammum, so can you possibly show us that? فمثلا تيمم يا اخوان شيئين او شيئان تيمم is two things فضربته الارض بالايدي ثم المس على اليمنى واليسرى ثم المس على الوجه تيمم you just doing two things you're striking soil or you're retrieving soil or dirt or dust uh, and then you're striking it بسم الله and then you wipe your right and your left and then you wipe your face Tayammum is two things. You don't have to put it on your feet, you don't have to put it in your mouth, rinse it around, no. وهذا يدل يا اخوان على جمالي هذا الدين. جمالي هذه الشريعة. And this shows something that humbles you, يا اخوان. The beauty of Islam. The beauty of Islam. فسألني شيخ من عندنا. One of the scholars here, the brothers, he asked us a question some time ago. هاتي دليلا إذا لعبدو يسافر بالطائرة وجاء وقت الصلاة ولا يمكنه أن يقوم كيف يصلي One of the brothers asked a good question last week or so He said if someone is traveling by airplane and it's time to pray but he can't stand up because of the condition Give me a proof that it's allowed for him to pray sitting down فأوردت له so we mentioned to him the statement of Allah, fear Allah to the best of your ability. He said, that's not a proof to me. That's a proof from Allah. I said, perhaps it's not a proof to you. No problem. But it's a proof, That's a statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa alaykum salam, ya How's everything? You don't need a lot of soil. You're just wiping your hands and your face. So you don't need buckets, ya 
and you know, need pictures of, of dirt, not like that. But you have to have that which is sufficient. لكن قيامهم يا إخوان لا يقام إلا في عدم الماء أو في عدم استطاعة استخدام الماء. But قيامهم is not just used anytime you wish. Tayammum is used, number one, if you don't have any water or access to water or you don't have water. Or you have water, but you can't use that water. You have water. Madalan, ba'du salaf, idha kana indahu ma'un. Madalan, lakinna al-ma'a yakunu ma'an baridan jiddan. Wala yumkinuhum an yusakhiru hadha al-ma'a la yatawadda'u min dhalik al-ma'a. Many of the Imams of the past took a position that may seem strange if they had water but the water was extremely cold like in the winter in Yemen it was like that sometimes you couldn't heat up your water the hamamat were out, it was outside in the masjid it was outside and you're freezing mashallah and it's, you can't the water, they, they don't get hot so you you're trying your best you're freezing so some of the Imams of the past took the position if the water is freezing cold and you can't heat it up, that is no problem to make tayammum in this regard. For example, many of the Salaf use that. So people wouldn't take showers? They would take it if they had the necessity to do so, for example, but if they couldn't, if it was too cold and they couldn't heat it up, they would go make tayammum from the dirt. So you have to make a shower. Let's say you have a sakhan, you have a heater, you have a stove, methane, you heat it up. But not everyone had electric, not everyone had an oven, not everyone had, not everyone had. Back in the day, not everyone had uh, the ability to heat their water up. So cold water is cold water. So you can imagine in the winter time, no heater, no oven, what are you going to heat your water up with? For example, I know some of the brothers didn't touch their wives for months and months and months. Why? I, I, I can't make a ghusl with that cold water. So I'm just going to be patient. The person is in the state of janabah. Right, if he has that position, he can make uh, tayammum can take the place of a ghusl. Oh, it's As long as it's original soil, like it's nothing that contaminated it, it's not known as najasa, it has to be turaban, bima'an kalima. It has to be dirt with the meaning of it. It can't be like impure dirty it, it can be uh, you know have some some trash there like that but as long as it doesn't take away that this dirt is taught here it has to be pure if it's it has some urine or the likes <laughs> then that'd be different Allah no. <laughs> He says, so the Imam, I think we read this already, the Imam began with clarifying how to cleanse those things that are impure. If they fall on one's body or one's garment. No, I think we did that already. Tayyip. Qala Sa'adi rahimahullah, Imam Sa'adi continues. Qala wal ashya'un najasa, and those things that are impure. Those things that are impure. Sorry, I don't think we did this last part yet. Qala fi da kanat ala al-badni 
كالفخذ أو البطن أو الظهر أو اليد أو الرجل أو كانت على الثوب كالقميص أو العمامة أو سراويل أو الأباءة أو القلنسوى مثلا كانت على وكانت على البقعة وهي الأرض التي يصلي عليها والسجادة مثلا أو في الأواني He says for example if the thing that's najis falls on someone's body like his legs, his thigh or he has some impurities on his stomach or examples some impurities on his back or his hand or his feet or he has some impurities upon his toe like his his toe uh, his qamis or his scarf his imama can also be a khimar for the women or his pants or the jilbab or his qalansawa his kufi or the najasa falls on his buqa'a his area the intent here is the earth that the person prays in وقد يكون قد نفهم من هذا أيضا مثلا على الأرض في المسجد أو في البيت you can also understand here the ground itself of the masjid or in his house he says or on the carpet on the lights for example or upon the vessel so how is this impurities uh, removed if they fall on the likes of these things that we mentioned he says it will be removed by removing that specific najasa itself فَإِذَا زَالَتْ الْعَيْنُ طَهْرَ الْمَحَلِّ So if the najas itself, not the smell of it, the ayn al-najasa, the najas itself, if it's removed, then the place is pure. فَمَثَلًا إِذَا بَالَ لَعَبْدُ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ Someone urinates on the ground. مَثَلًا هُوَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ He's in the house of Allah. ثُمَّ نَزُولُ نَجَاسَةَ and we clean the impurity of the urine. But we still smell it. We removed it, but we still smell it. And there's no harm there. As long as you remove the najasa itself has to be removed. You may still smell it. For example, you go to pray and it still smells like urine. That doesn't mean that the ayn of the najasa itself, the actual najasa, is, is still there. It doesn't mean that as long as we really cleaned it up and it's gone, the actual impurity itself, then that's sufficient. And he says, and there's no need that the person has to we rewash it and wash it three and five and seven. If you got it up, even if you smell it, but you removed it, then the place is considered to be pure. And you don't have to wash it a certain amount of times unless you're talking about the dog. He said, except with regards to the impurity of the dog. And then, alhamdulillah, he brings both positions here. He said, because 
we have been commanded to wash with regards to the dog seven times. Some scholars say seven, some say eight. He wrung both positions. He says some say eight and the seven is with water and the eighth is with dirt. So seven and one is eight. Other scholars say no, collectively it has to be seven, not eight. So they differ in there. For those that say eight, the seven is with the water and one of them is with dirt. For those that say seven, one of the seven washes has to be with dirt. And perhaps that position is the strongest as it comes in the hadith seven times. As it comes in some of the narrations. And in that regard, there is some known wisdom there. قال فالحاصل أن النجاسة التي على البدن أو على الثوب أو على غيره تقصل حتى تزول. He says so. If you have something impure on your body, on your person, on your garment, or in your area, or the likes, then washing it until it's removed. This is sufficient. فإذا زالت عينها ولم يبقى لها أثر فإنه يظهر. So if the thing itself is removed. And there's no traces of it, not like the smell, no traces of it. If you see traces, then it's not fully removed. So it has to be done, has to be removed completely. He says in this regard, then it is yathharu, it is pure. Or yathharu. And the Messenger he was asked about the blood of the menstrual, talking about the woman, the blood of the menstruation, if it gets on your clothes, if it gets on your clothes, he says, it's sufficient for you that you remove it with water and the traces of it is not harm. So if the woman is on her menses, for example, and she gets some of the blood on her garment, the blood of the menstruation is, is nudges. So the Prophet said, Yakfi kalma, it's sufficient for you to wash it with water. But it still may be some traces of it. It could be a stain. It could be gone, but it could have left a stain itself. And it happens a lot, Yahweh. So as long as it's really removed, fully removed, the traces of it does not harm. Sometimes even in the Ghassala, in the washing machine, the menstruation's uh, blood is strong. And sometimes you mix it with some other garments and the blood from that shirt got on another shirt. As long as that aynu hadihi najasa tazul So as long as the thing itself, the impurity is truly removed, is gone. If it has a trace, that doesn't harm. The thing itself has to be removed. As this hadith here is collected by the Imam Ahmed, the message of Allah said, yakfi kalma. Water suffices you. Cleanse it with water. Remove it with water. And the traces of it is not going to harm you. So if the person washes the blood that's on the garment. Same example we almost use, mashallah. But he washed it 
but it, rem it remains some of the coloring is faded or there's a stain and this stain the traces of it the water didn't remove that the, the, the trace then this garment is considered to be pure next point and those things that are impure what are they number one bolul adami bolu adami the the urine of the children of adam the urine of the children of adam now this word here you have a translation Myra, on this one and the feces of bani adam they said human i'll say bani adam well the the number two the defecation of mankind from the arrajat one nisa from the men and from the women as long as they're human as long as they are human somebody may say what about the defecation of a jinn if that is a thing i don't have any proof that the jinn they do a number one or number two or yeah or the lights shall we say we don't have any knowledge in that regard. Allah So we say Allah knows best. Another question. Can a man marry a jinni woman? Can a man marry a female jinn? Can a female jinn marry a, a man from mankind? How? How? You can't see him, but can he get married? This once again shows the completeness of our religion. Some of the Salaf used to talk about this issue. You're not going to find it in the Sunnah, no, in detail, but they used to talk about this, for example. At any rate, uh, if we say if that's something that can be done Islam doesn't say that's haram if I don't know how you would do that but if there's a way like you said you can't see them how could you if there's a way it can be done Allah's messenger didn't say it's haram but how would you do it uh, once again, the marriage is going to have to be. That's another proof that some scholars. There is a verse in Surah Turum. I'm trying to think it. Where Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala says, And from his signs is that he created for you, from you, mates. So some scholars, Sheikh Mupo used, now he contradicted that point. Some scholars say, see, Allah says, men anfusikum, from yourselves. Meaning, all you can marry is someone like you, a person. You can't marry an animal, you can't marry insect, you can't marry the jinn. Other scholars say, no, Allah says, men ayatihi, from his signs. He didn't say it's haram. 
So the point Yehwan, they used to discuss the likes of these issues. This shows once again, Islam is complete. Almost everything that you can think of is mentioned in religion. We're not saying go try to do that Yehwan. We're not saying it's a law. That's not our Islam. We're not saying that. Some scholars say it's not a law. Other scholars say it is a law. But those that say it's not a law, they use the likes of that verse, women ayatihi, and from his sons. Other scholars say, this verse doesn't show that. Where is it that it's haram? And that's strong also. Some of the people they say, the man has the right to command his wife to cover the way he wants her to cover. Some scholars they say, if a man desires for his wife to cover her face, even if she doesn't take that position or not, he has the right to command her to cover her face. Other scholars say, no. Where is that proof? The correct opinion is that that's not from his rights. You can't make the woman, I'm going to command you to worship Allah the way I want you to worship Allah. Somebody's going to say, what about the ayah? What ayah? Allah says, The men are the maintainers and the providers and the protectors over the women. Where did Allah say? You have the right to command her to worship Allah the way you want her to worship Allah. So there's a difference in Quran saying, uh, deriving something from the ayat and saying what the ayat is saying. You have to make sure that the imams and the salaf had your position. You just can't take an ayat and hadith and make it up as you go. You can't do that, Yahuan. There was a woman, real beautiful woman, the woman in Africa, real pretty lady, mashallah, she used to wear the makeup, without the face covering, outside her house. And you say, Ummi, it's a She says, you say, Ummi, my beloved mother, fear Allah, you have to cover with the correct Islamic covering. You can't wear makeup like that outside without covering your face. She says, leave me alone. I have some proof from the Prophet that I can do so. You say, hat, hat, give me a proof. He says, call the Nabi, alayhi salatu salam. That she mentions an authentic hadith, not a made up hadith. No, the Prophet said it. She says, call the Nabi, alayhi salatu salam, inna Allah jameel. Yuhibu jamal. Hadith sahih. The Prophet says, verily Allah is beautiful. And he loves beauty. And I'm beautiful. So she's given the hadith, but misunderstanding it. So there's a difference in Juan. Hadha ma'ana hadithi. Oh, minhaji ahli sunnah. Oh, salafi. Oh, minhaji ahli haq. This is the meaning when we say, inshallah, we try our best to follow the methodology of the people of hadith. This is the meaning. When we say we try our best to follow the methodology of the methodology of a salaf. Or we try our best to follow the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah or the people of the truth. All of these are correct affiliations. We don't make up our own Islam. How did those who are around the Messenger of Allah, how did they understand these points? Those things that they were unanimous upon, not the things they differed upon. 
If the salaf differ, the companion is different upon something. If you have an issue that there's no proof from the Quran and Sunnah in this specific issue, and the companions differ themselves in, there's no Quran and Sunnah to say Abu Bakr is right and Omar is wrong. I can't use Abu Bakr's position against you, and you can't use Omar's position against me. There's no Quran and Sunnah to judge. If they differ upon that, they differ upon that. I can't say this companion is more right than him. That's his opinion. That's his ishtihad. That's his ishtihad. There's no proof of that. Like the issue, مثلا, like coming up from Rukur, where do you place your hands? There are two opinions. You put your hands to the sides, one opinion. Or you return them as they were before Rukur, second opinion. There's no specific hadith to bayinu lana sunnatu nabi fi hadha al majal, fi hadha al majal. There's no authentic, specific, sarih, crystal clear, marfu' hadith attributed to the Messenger of Allah, musnadan, sahihan, mutasilan, that the Prophet is, they mention what he did specifically with his hands after the Quran. You're not going to find a hadith that says when he raised his head up from the Quran, he put him to his sides. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. You're not going to find a hadith that says when he raised his head up from the Rukur, he put his hands back on his chest. That mentions after the Rukur or rising up. It's not there. So that's why they differ. So some companions said this, some of the tabi'un said that, some of the atba'a tabi'in said this, scholars of today, some say this, some say that. Many positions. Muhammad Nasuddin al-Albani There's one opinion from the great Imam al-Albani May Allah have mercy upon him That when you come up and you place your right on your left on your chest That's an innovation That's one opinion Sheikh Al-Albani is strong in that He says You go back to his book The description of how the Prophet prayed from when he says Allahu Akbar until he says Salaamu Alaikum, he says, فَإِنَّهَا بِدْعَةً Rarely is a bid'ah. Then you have some scholars that oppose him. قَالَ شَيْكُ دَيْمِينَ رَحِيمَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَنَّ الدُّمْ بَعْدَ الرُّكُورِ سُنَّةً Yaq Salifah. Then you have Shaykh Udaymin, or the likes. He says the total opposite. Coming up from the rukur, placing your right on your left, is a sunnah. One scholar says bid'ah, one scholar says sunnah. Sometimes you differ, they differ you. There's nothing specific. Imam Ahmed was asked, and I wish one of the ta- one of the Asbah Tabi'een mentioned what did Imam Ahmed do? That would be amazing. Or one of the Tabi'een mentioned what did Aisha do here? Or what did Abu Bakr do here? Or what did Omar do? What did Ali do? What did Abu Huraira do? But for some reason, this regard, it seems like they didn't narrate it for some reason. Or it didn't reach us. At any rate, Imam Ahmed Suila Anhu, he was asked, he said, in this issue, there's room for this and room for that. 
It would have been amazing if he says, but I see this to be right or that. He just says, that is, is vastness in it. Meaning, there's nothing specific, crystal clear. Another issue that's really one of my favorite iftilafat of the salah. Al-nuzul min al-qiyam ila sajda. Hal nuqaddim al-aydi aw nuqaddim al-rukbatay fi ikhtilaf qawi. One of my favorite difference of opinions. When you're standing up, about to go into sujood, do you place your hands down first or your knees? There are two opinions. One of the best researches you're going to study at home. You're going to be studying it for the rest of your life. It's not going to stop. Play. Do you place your right, uh, your hands down first or your knees? There are two opinions. Your hands go down first, one opinion. Your knees go down second, another opinion. There's a statement by Ibn Khuzayma that either can a sahiha al-ikhtilaf. Ibn Khuzayma, he brings a position if his narration would have been authentic, the issue would be over. He brings a hadith bima'na, the meaning of it. It says that one of the companions, Kunna nadu'u rukbatayna qabla aydina thumma umiruna an nuqaddima aydina qabla rukbatayna Walakin hadha hadith ta'if. He mentions in his sahih that one of the companions said, we used to place our knees down first. And then we were commanded to place our hands down. The argument will be over. But that hadith is weak. There are many weaknesses of that hadith. At any rate, there's a hadith Abu Huraira. It's the same hadith about placing one's hands down first. And then it's the same hadith about placing one's knees down first. In this narration, we didn't get there yet in our hadith class. It has itirab. It has some confusion somewhere. Some one of the narrators in the chain is making an error. The hadith comes both ways from Abu Huraira. The one narration says, when one of you, uh, don't prostrate like the prostration of the camel. But rather, let him place his hands down first before his knees. And there's another hadith, the same narration, different variants. But let him place his knees down first before his hands. This hadith is called Mutarib. It has some someone in the chain is making some error, and it appears that both hadith have the weaknesses in it. It's the same narration, but it's different variations. The strongest hadith, Wallah, there's another narration collected by Ibn Khuzayma that mentions places his hands down first before the knees. Some scholars say that has weakness also. So this ikhtilaf here is one of the strongest ones. Our Sheikh and Yemen used to say, you do here whatever is easy. If going down your knees is easy, I can't do that. If going down your hands is easy, you do what's easy here, as there's no authentic hadith. If you use the hadith of Hurairah of putting your hands down first, it has weakness. If you use the hadith of putting your knees down first, that also has weakness. So you free Allah to the best of your ability. What is the weakness? Is the trap? Huh? What is the weakness? There's a, a man in the chain who has a weakness in both riwayat, in both narrations. Oh. It's not. Salimatun or Salimatun min al-da'af Neither one of them are free from weakness There's a, a man here And he has su al He has a weak memory And there's a man here And he has su al He has also has a weak memory uh, Some other scholars say The one that says going down to your knees first Is more weak than the other one But they both have weakness This one may be more weak But this one is weak also 
Tony, that's one thing. We're glad you pointed that out. Tony, man, I bless you. But it depends on how you describe it. I'm going to give you a, a way to look at it. Our Sheikh said we know the camel goes down first on his knees. Tony, I'm going to change it up and but, describe it differently. But the camel don't have the hand. He have to use the knees. They differ on, that's why Islam is amazing, Ikhwan. They differ on, do the camels have four legs? Or two legs and two arms? It doesn't have four kneecaps though. It has two. Are the kneecaps in the front considered to be knees or not? That's an argument. It has kneecaps. But kneecaps, some people don't call them kneecaps because to them, that's not his legs. That's his arms. That's his elbows. That's how some scholars look at it. If you look at the, not, you're not talking about a, you're not talking about a man, a woman. You're talking about an animal. Is it correct to say that a dog has four legs or two legs and two arms? Some people say that. There's another opinion. Two legs and two arms. Same thing with the camel. The camel has four something. Let's call them four legs. The other group of scholars say no. Those front things are not his legs, they're his arms. So when he bends down, they say yes, he's coming down first, but that's his hands. So you should, they use the same hadith both, both ways. But the ones that come on his knees first, they say, see, the camel goes down on his knees first. So we should go on our knees first. It's flipped over. They say, no, that's not his knees. They're his hands. So they're different there, Ikhwan. It's from the beauty of Islam, Sometimes the people of knowledge may differ on how they look at something. It happens. Somebody bring up a video when a camel was going down. I'm <laughs> 